Hi, Tribe. I'm Versavia. And I'm Evelyn. And you're listening to Objectively Typed, a podcast where we explore the objective personality system. Today, we'll be talking about science. What is it? How does it do what it does? How does psychology play into it? And we'll discuss David and Shan's approach to objectively typing, uh, where we see the strengths, where we see the flaws, and... um, just kind of yeah we're gonna let the discussion happen yeah just kind of a riff a riff on it so i'm sure this is one of these that we'll revisit you know time and time again as we kind of learn more and and go forward but just this is one of these aspects about op that in some respects makes it a little bit different from um more the pop psychology uh versions of typology in that dave and shannon uh i believe it's a stated goal is to take this system to what they call science and so you know we kind of wanted to talk about what that means how we how from our perspective what we see is you know maybe some of their struggles or where we think you know it'll go from there yeah you're absolutely right it is a very clearly stated goal to take this to science and so I think it would be interesting especially because it seems like in the community there is some debate as to how scientific their method is. Right. So I wanted to kind of discuss it and um, get your thoughts and also kind of yeah see where we're at about it. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. So I think if we're going to have a discussion about science, we should uh, have at least some kind of working definition to make sure we're aligned on the sensory. <laughs> so yeah. Um, how would you define science if you had to? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a that is a big question, especially when you talk <laughs> about like taking something to science. It, yeah, you know, right. I almost I almost feel like it, it. I could use it more as say like what is scientific or what is what is the scientific community? I suppose. Um, in my mind, when I when I think of taking the OPS, thinking of taking the objective personality system to the scientific community, what I would imagine is that they come with some sort of um, data set that can be independently verified and that they could publish in some sort of a journal or something like that where they could describe their method and their results and how they came to that result and so that independent um, people can take a look at that and and then test it for themselves. I think, so I come from an engineering background, so we'll talk a little bit more about this. So of course, uh, the science that I'm more familiar with is more of the, you know, physics-based, engineering-based science, which is a lot more of like experimentation that can easily be verified and redone over and over. So I am coming definitely from that perspective. Um, I'm not as familiar with like psychological sciences, and this definitely falls into that category, social sciences and things like that. So I'm very curious on on your view, because when I think of so when I think of their system right now I definitely think they need a greater data set like I for me my head when I think of science in relation to OP OPS I should say I think of their data set and how they can grow their data set so that they can take that to the scientific community and say look you know, these are the results. Like, what is it? The I think the big five is another one that is a little bit more sort of scientific in that they have numbers behind their approach, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, the big five plays plays a numbers game. Yeah, so like... Really, really gets at the statistics. Yeah, so I would say quantitative, have some quantitative uh, data that they can point to, not just qualitative, right? Not just subject. And, and, I, and I think that is part of their goal. I mean, the, the thing is called 
objective personality. So the idea is that they should be able to look at it from an objective standpoint and not rely on the self-reporting of the subject being typed. And so I, I'd like to see their data get to a point where uh, they have a large enough data set that they can start to also make some conclusions based on that, mm-hmm. based on the types that you get. Um, but yeah, we can talk a little bit more about that because I think, I think that right now is part of the, the issue because I'm not sure how full their data set really is. I think to back it up just a little bit, so on the subject of what is science, There was one lesson in particular I remember from college that just really, really stuck with me and has colored much of how I relate to science and the scientific community and all of that. My professor described it this way, that science aims to do three things. Describe what is happening, control what is happening, and predict what is happening. There you go. In that order, right? Yeah. And I think this is... um, well, Dave and Shannon are, are starting with that, right? So right now they're trying the describing what is happening. And the where the scientific method comes in is in the controlling, right? Okay, if I control this factor, how will that impact things? And being able to tease apart all the different factors and influences right? so that you can then get to the third step, which is predicting, right? So if I bring in this factor, then statistically speaking, this outcome should happen. Yeah. And when it comes to, quote unquote, the hard sciences, chemistry, physics, we're able to do that with incredible precision. Right. Because we're able to fully control the environment. But I think when it comes to the social sciences, we can't fully control the environment and we can't tease apart the factors mm-hmm. quite as easily as we can in um, the hard sciences. And so it becomes a lot trickier to get into that control and predict steps of the scientific process. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very well stated. And I'm like, uh-oh, uh, is it good to ask the intuitive person to, <laughs> to define things first? Because I don't. <laughs> that was a very good sensory answer. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm lucky in that, you know, like uh, somebody handed me that answer when I was in college. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Because I don't, it's interesting. So uh, I guess we should, I, I should at least um, talk about my background a little bit because I have a degree in aerospace engineering. So you know, in aerospace engineering, they never, we never had that. We never had like, you know, basic like definitions set like that. It was pretty much like you, you jump in, you're taking calculus, you're taking engineering 101, you know, you're taking uh, physics and stuff like that. Like I, I, it's almost like it's implied that you know what science is from a larger standpoint. Yeah, of you know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's an implication that exists in all of society. Yeah. Like, it's rare that you have to go and define a term as prevalent as science. Right, right. Well, and I think, though, it's good to your point of to to actually sit down and, and talk about that because, um, you know, Dave and Shannon have said that their goal is to take this to science. But it's like, OK, well, what does that actually mean? You know, what does it yeah. mean to take something like this to science? And I think you brought up a really important part of it is that like that it's independently verified and that there is this larger scientific community in terms of like if you want to get published then there's so much that is involved in that process right Um, not only just running your experiment but being able to uh, draw up the well put it all down your method your um, objective your conclusion your your data what your data was how you analyzed it what conclusions you can draw from it right and then being able to publish that in journals like that's a that's a big goal big deal it's not yeah, it is. It's not just something to sneeze at. It's not like no. publishing something on Medium and you know yes. putting it out there in the world. It is a really 
big, rigorous process, often involving a lot of politics, a decent amount of money. Like, right. Absolutely. It's a lot. Yep. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like, what taking it to science means is interesting. Yeah. And it's a big goal. It's a big goal for a, a very small team to take on. But I think... I think they at least acknowledge and they or they they have an understanding that it is such a lofty goal. Oh, like sure. I think they see this they see this as like a vocation, like a life's work that they are taking on. And I and I, and that's one thing that I, I really do respect about them is they they don't appear to be sort of shortcutting or disrespecting that in any way. Like she, they understand like this is going to be a big thing. And I think because and I, I'm not sure what their backgrounds are, but they're I know that they don't come from sort of a strict sciencey background. And so I think they're they're still kind of learning and feeling out like just how big a deal that that's going to be. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't come from an experience of like oh I've already been published in a in an academic journal, so I know. They're just getting into this and learning and getting a feeling for what that means. So yeah, yeah, and I think they've mentioned before that um, they're planning to take the next decade to get that yeah. ready and to take it, and that like they're pacing themselves. Because they understand that the end goal... It's such a is, big it, thing. Yeah, it's not something you do in a year or two. Right. And so that that's... I, I always like and respect that, you know, th- that they're taking it seriously, I guess. You know what I mean? Yes. I think I think it's easy... They're giving it the gravity. It yeah. Deserves. I think it's easy to sit back and look at a YouTuber and just say, like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's just the lazy sort of comment section reaction to people but I from my experience like they really are taking this seriously and it's just going to take some time and I think that's the other aspect is folks you know the the comment section if you will folks need to understand that like things do take time and that's okay so uh, my background is actually psychology Um, I got my BA in psychology and theater and then but in like true EP fashion (laughs) um I then went on to be an ESL teacher for six years, and now I'm a software engineer. So, like, I haven't actually done psychology, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I very much still have, like, the goal and the desire um, to get my PhD in psych. Mm-hmm. So I know that side of things. But one of the reasons I got into software engineering was because technology moves really quickly. Right. And science moves very slowly. Yeah. And I wanted to bridge that gap a little bit. Yeah, And so, like you were saying on YouTube and in technology and business, there is this expectation of immediacy, immediate gratification, quick turnaround, six months is like a really long time in technology, right? Yeah. And science, six months, like just getting one article published can take you more than six months. That's nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. A study will take you years, depending on what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then I also wanted to, so to kind of give you an overview uh, to the listener. Dave and Shannon's approach and also the approach that you and I have been taking is to separately, without discussing, without influencing each other in any way, try and type the same person. And Dave and Shannon's approach is to be able to get this um, agreement out of 512 upwards of 90%. Yeah. So for every 10 people that they type, agree on at least nine of them, get the exact same type. Except that for them, what they define an operator is somebody who's able to do this and for whose typing becomes official. They need to have typed at least 100 people with a 90% agreement rate with their partner. 
So they are yeah. taking it as a numbers game. Yeah. They are using the statistical improbability of that happening by a fluke as validation that they are actually objectively tracking something in reality. And I know that there's a lot of contention around that point um, as to whether or not that can be trusted. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it. What do you think? How uh, Dave and Shannon's approach and playing it as a numbers game that if uh, two people type 100 people and they get at least 90% agreement rate out of 512 different types, that all of those statistical improbabilities imply that they are objectively tracking something in reality. Right. Okay. That there's a validation of that. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. What did you think about that? Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, I think before we started partnering up and typing people, I think, bef- so when I was sort of uh, in the, in the stands, if you will, just kind of watching the game being played, I thought, oh, well, you know, they're just getting really good. Like there's a, there's a board game called um, Code Names where if you, if you are, really close to your partner you guys are able to you know guess the same word to a really high extent and so like we have people that's like you guys can't play that game together because you share a brain and you're you're always gonna guess the right words right (laughs) I kind of thought it was something like that that they just were so in sync that they were able to identify the same thing um or at least call it the same name um you know just a lot of time like the couple's bias kind of thing where it's like you can finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, <laughs> frozen. <laughs> you can finish each other's sentences. Um, you know, that was kind of my first reaction. But now that I'm sort of getting into this, I do see that there. it's a harder thing to do than than it seems, if you will. And so mm-hmm. the fact that they can start getting those, those high percentages, those 90 plus, um, it's it's at least implying that there is there is something that they are seeing that it, I'm trying to describe this. It's like you have two different perspectives that are looking at the same thing. They're kind of triangulating on something and they've both assi- they both named it, let's say, NI, right? There is something there. There is something there. Yeah. Um, and they have agreed that that thing is NI. So, you know, I I think there is something to it. I think there's still more, I, th- I think there's still more work to be done. There's still more, uh, they, what I would like to see is for more people to start getting that agreement too, because those two have a really good, you know, high rate, but I'm not sure other teams do yet. And I'm, yeah. you know, and so I guess we'll, we might talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, I don't know if it's additional training or or what or if it's just time, you know, because I think they've been doing this for I don't know how many years. Four or five. I think five. they started in two thousand ten. Yeah. So, so like, okay, a long time. A long time. And so that might be part of it. Is like, and so that's kind of part of this podcast for you and me is to like start to iterate, and as we sort of understand what we're seeing better, it's almost like just understanding what we're seeing. Like, we, if we could both identify that, okay, th- that is a lizard, mm-hmm. this thing that we're seeing, that's a lizard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I also think that, um, and, and I'm starting to notice this with you and me, by having a partner, your inevitable, we all carry around biases with us. Our biases are starting to come up. Right. Like, you pointed out to me that I I seem to be typing a lot of people as observers, and I seem to be typing a lot of people as IJs. And, um, that was a really good point, and that's totally true. So that's one of my biases coming through because I tend to get along really well with IJs and with um, people who have savior control. 
Right. And so I see that when I'm trying to type someone and I'm, I like that person, you know, like whether that's Emma Watson or, or Bo Burnham. Um, so I'm seeing that part in them. And we were just discussing this and something similar might be happening with you. Right. Right. That I'm typing a lot of people as self above tribe. Now there, there's other, when you pointed that out. So first of all, it's good that it's good that we're starting to see where our sort of tendencies are, I'll say, like our patterns mm-hmm. are starting, you know, I, I'm glad that you put together a script that allows us to kind of see the patterns. Like that's really good because it'll sh- sort of point at, uh, you know, where we seem to be keyed if there is a, if there is a bias where it is or where it's going. Now, the reason behind it, you know, I'm not sure, like it could be, it could be that it could be just a natural sort of like, okay, I like that person. And I tend to like people who are self above tribe, or it could be because I'm coming from a tribe above self perspective. I tend to, am I, am I looking out at the landscape? And if you're not a lot like me, I just assume you're something different kind of thing. (laughs) That's kind of what I was looking at it from a perspective standpoint, but I, you know, to like we're both drawn to our activated demon function, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, or it's just if if you're on the way I was describing it in my own head was like if I'm sitting on like Tribe Island and I see somebody who it looks like they're on a different island from me, I'm just gonna think that that's that's self above Tribe Island, but maybe that's just a different flavor of Tribe Island. Also, (laughs) like maybe they're Mm. still on the same (laughs) island, and I just can't tell because it, it looks different. Uh, you know, and so the the fact that they're getting that 90% or higher, I, I think now, um, means that they've worked those kinks out. Like they have that... Their own biases. Yeah, their own biases. Um, it also means, I, although I haven't seen their docs, and I think that, again, back to their data set, presumably they're getting a diversity of people too, right? They're not just getting a bunch of the same type. They're getting... yes a wide spectrum of, fe- of people. And I think this is this is one area where the numbers, like you type enough people, you'll sooner or later get there. Yeah. Where th- they have typed a lot of people, but I think they're starting to see their own biases in who they select to type as well because their main source for typing people is YouTube, right? right. And that's going to be self-selecting in the kinds of people who would put content up on YouTube or have interviews up on YouTube, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I want to pause there just real quick, though. I, while yes, that's true, and they are getting to that point where they're starting to see the little clusters. I think I actually agree with their approach, though. Like, I think that was a good a place to start as any, you know, because yeah, of course, because there is so much content on YouTube nowadays. Like, here we are. We're this is the early part of 2019, and YouTube really exploded in the last like five or six years you know because like it's so funny uh i mean you know five to ten years because it's so funny an old school youtuber is like somebody whose channel started in 20 2006 or something like that 2007 you know i mean even dave is an old school youtuber and he's been around since 2009 or 2010 i think yeah well, so at it's least really, maybe older sorry it's really taken off recently and so it is a good place to start when you're talking about personality typology you know and you do yeah. get a lot of people who are being very real uh and and you can get a variety of different types of content because we now have you know nbc cbs like the big networks have stuff out there too so you can get like official interviews but you can also get a podcast as somebody posted their podcast on youtube so it's like an hour-long free-form conversation so that that is cool. Like I, I think if I had 
you you do have on here how would we do it differently i think like if i had been starting it i would not have started with youtube because i'm not a big youtube consumer like that just wouldn't have been my starting point i probably would have started with podcasters or something like that but i think youtube is is valid you know what i mean like i i think that's a good place as any yeah i agree with you there um and i think that they've they've done a a really good job of leveraging that and the nice thing about when you look at some kind of content like YouTube versus like people in real life, say they would have started by like typing Dave's brothers, right? And maybe they, they, they did. But like if you start by typing people in real life, then um, from a scientific perspective, that is hard data to quantify. Right, right. Right, it right. is hard data to track. Whereas, and one thing that you and I started doing after we typed Michelle is we log the videos that we watch when we're typing somebody Mm -hmm. uh, so that we can see which videos we both watched and which ones we didn't and use that as our data set so that we can, you know, um, another key part, which I don't know if we talked too much about, uh, another key part of science is reproducibility, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Any good scientific experiment, any Joe Schmo off the street with the right tools and resources should be able to repeat that experiment and get the same results. Right. That is what right. good science looks like. Right, right. And so having a uh, th- the data set means that, you know, say 10 years from now when there's a lot more operators, if um, somebody watches the same videos that you and I uh, used for Emma Watson, they should arrive at the same conclusion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Theoretically. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, the- theoretical. Yeah. So we, we have a common data database. And then... It also is good because, you know, depending depending on the conversation at hand or the situation or the day, somebody might, like, if you just looked at one video of a person, you may not be able to fully see all their parts and pieces. Um, and so that's why it is good to have, like, a variety of stuff. In there, or at least it would be able to point to, like, I watched this one and that's why I saw what I saw, you know, because in that particular one. So this is where... I, I don't know, I'm going to jump a little bit into this, but like their their client typings, I think, are harder because they have a smaller data set. Like for me, they had one video and a bunch of emails, but that was it. And so like depending on how I might have been that day, maybe they would have typed me differently. You know, who knows? And I wonder about that. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. I agree with you there. And I wonder if as you and I continue on this, like say we revisit this in a year, if our opinions on that will change because our skills, we've been able to hone our skills or if we'll still encounter the same kind of problems in a year. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, what they've said is like they can tell it in your language that even based on just a limited set, they can kind of hear it, you know? So Mm -hmm. it will be interesting. You're right to revisit that as we go forward and see, um, like, I think they got me right, just based on that 45-minute video and some emails. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, but I know there's people in the community that feel like, well, I wasn't really myself in my video, or maybe they just didn't see this. You know, um, I had just, like, some, you know, I, I've talked to some folks that are just like, oh, I just had this, like, major life change, and then I made the video, and so I'm not sure they really got the real me. So, therefore, I don't believe they're typing. You know, you get a, you do get that. You do get that. Yeah, that, w- that will be interesting to see how that plays out for us how that tracks out yeah yeah and so that is something you know as they go to science uh you're gonna have to somehow account for that or correct for that or you know yeah so um 
what challenges do you, you think OPS faces in taking this to science? Like, what do you think they, they still, like, the big things they need to get? Yeah, uh, I think there's a few there's a few things that like immediately pop in my mind. First of all, the general now again, I don't come from a I don't come from a social science background, but I I think I suspect that there's probably already a bias against personality typology as an idea mm. anyway. <laughs> so like they're gonna have to get over that hump number one, um, and then also, and this is. I'm not sure how to fully articulate this. So I'm just going to try to sort of just talk it out. But like their cognitive functions are based on the work of Carl Jung, but they're not exact. Like they were what they call uh, introverted intuition might be different from what Carl Jung sort of called introverted intuition. And I do feel like, and maybe this is even before they get into science, but I, I kind of feel like, their first resistance at the gates is going to be the other typology community. Like there's, cause that's what I've sort of observed is that there's a lot of, that's not what NI is. You guys, that's not NI. So I don't know if they'll eventually just change the terms kind of thing and just call it something different. Like big five did big five has different other than introversion and extroversion. They have different terms. So that'll be interesting to see if they need to sort of change that language a little bit. Um, because I feel like that's sort of the first sort of like if I imagine them going to science like storming a castle, <laughs> I feel like the outriders are going to be the other typologies of like, I don't know that I agree with your definitions. If they can get past that and then start to get to science itself, it, it is going to be a lot of like showing. Uh, well, number one, having their data, you know, making sure they've got a big enough data set. And then to your points of like being able to predict, control and predict. um and having having that story like put together in a in a cohesive manner, you know mm. that kind of thing. I think uh, like they should be able to. Oh, one more thought, and then I'll yeah, I'll I'll give over the talking stick. <laughs> um, <laughs> like they should be able to type a person and then be able to sort of predict that person's uh, life struggles and things like that, just purely based on type and i'm not sure they have a full enough data set to do that yet yeah because there's a lot of nuance within types yeah like you're an enfp and you look very different from other enfps and you're gonna have very different tidal waves right from other enfps i'm the only one in their docs of my type so it's things like that like there's a few of us like that that we are the only ones and i'm sure they've got some just straight up holes now when i say i'm the only one i mean i'm the only of my 512 like yeah they they have other netes they have other N-E-T-E, play, consume, blast, sleep, last, but I'm the only double masculine of that type. So that's where I'm on by myself. Uh, so they're going to need more of me's. Like, where, where, where's my type hanging out? Like, <laughs> they got to go find yeah, that. That's, that's one of the reasons, and to your point earlier, that data, 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 and I, um, Dave and Shannon are also very data-driven, and I really like that where their goal right now and why they're taking the long game and giving themselves a decade is because they're trying to get more operators so that they can get more data. And then once the data comes in, then they can draw all of these, start drawing these conclusions, right? So I yeah. guess they're, they're doing the SE before they can do the NI. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What do you see as their biggest challenges? Well, I think to your point about um, how you think that they're 
initial greatest opposition will be coming from existing personality typology. Um, I think that they should throw out calling this personality typology altogether and approach mm. it as something else. Yeah. Because even th- so, I do have the psych background, right? So I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. One <laughs> right. of them is the DSM. So uh, mm-hmm. the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual. And in the scope of psychology, psychotherapy, psychiatry, it is the Bible. Like whether you're diagnosed with depression, anxiety, PTSD, all of that, all of those diagnoses, all of those symptoms come from the DSM. And I have a lot of beef with the DSM. I think it is a very flawed system. Yeah. And it grew out of a time when um, we didn't have the tools that we do now to understand human behavior. Um, and yet we're still applying that um, diagnostic manual when we should really move away from it. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think if you approach um, OPS, in if you approach human behavior and you look at it at from like the OPS lens or something like that, like I can easily see how OPS and the language here and the binary systems and all of that could be used as a new way of quantifying and diagnosing human behavior and where we leave our voids. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So it's not just personality typology. I think it transcends that so much. And if they come at it from within the MBTI community, that's one thing. But if they throw out the MBTI community altogether and are, are kind of like, hey, this is something that is applicable for all of these reasons, um, and this is what it is, who cares how we got here, I think that could be a very, very powerful thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's an excellent point. That's a really good way to put it, because you're right, and again, I, I, I don't have a ton of experience in the social sciences. I mean, a lot of it is just personal experience with therapy and so forth, and like, I know that when I've brought up this stuff, like this kind of thing, like OPS, um, to therapists, they aren't they they are quick to kind of throw it out with the bathwater a little bit they're just like oh, okay mm. person oh it's personality typology okay okay next <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean yeah and so i think to your point that is like there's a, actually a lot of really good here and so if you can kind of leave that behind um that will at least help like obviously that's just a human per, per um perceptions and if they come with the data and if if social sciences are like the more sort of hard sciences, if you come with the data, if you can have a data-driven discussion where you can show, look, these are this is our data set, this is the results we've seen in reality. If they can if they can do that, then you can win over people. You know, you should be able to win over that emotional reaction to like, okay, here's a, just a another Myers Briggs socionics thing. Like, but if you can actually show, like, oh no we are tracking something here like to your point about human behavior and and we're providing a tool that is actually helpful and beneficial and here are the results that we've seen i think that's huge i think that would be a lot better yeah i agree um i think that that has tremendous potential and i've also noticed about myself like so the way that dave and shannon open up on their website about what it is they kind of start with MBTI, right? Yeah. And so that is much of how it is in my brain, and that's also how I discovered it. But when I introduce it to people in my life from MBTI, a lot of it is kind of like, eh, you know? Right. People don't respond well to it unless they've already <sighs> been in MBTI. But if I introduce yes. it as like, 
like earlier today, I was talking to my cousin and I was telling him about sleep and play and the different ways that that shows itself. And, um, you know, how there are some people who, well, there's like two modes of operating, um, you know, preserving energy and introspecting and then maybe expending energy and, and doing for the tribe and how everybody does everything, but some people will prioritize one before they do the other. He was like on board with that immediately. Right. And we immediately had a conversation about how he is so save your sleep, which he absolutely is. Um, and that had nothing to do with MBTI. Mm-hmm. And so if I think if we lose leave that aside. Behind. Yeah. And just talk about this language and like give these words and then define them. And then Mm -hmm. have a conversation using that language. I think it can be a very powerful thing. Here's another question that just, um, it just, it just popped in my mind. But I think another thing that would help if you're going to science is some sort of way, just like, so they're objectively tracking personality, but also is there some sort of way to track, I'll say the, the benefits, if you will, of their system, Um, you know, and again, I'm literally brainstorming this, but I, I would be interested if if I were sort of like the scientific community and you were coming to me with this, I, I would be interested in a case study where you can show me, okay, I started with this person who had sort of these issues or problems in their life or whatever, and then I was able to get their personality type using using our objective personality system. I was able to give them a package of things that would help them, and now they have improved in these areas or whatever. Their quality of life is better in these areas. That through line I haven't really seen and I'm just I'm kind of curious on I wonder I wonder how you do something like that. So the um, psychology community uh, well psychology in general relies heavily on self-report right yeah and um, that is one of the things that Dave and Shannon are moving away from because of its very flawed experiences but and I actually do want to get back to self-report later because I think it has a very important part to play. I but, agree so, yeah. When you talk about the DSM and say the diagnosis of depression, one of the key symptoms, so usually it's like, hey, here's nine symptoms and you need to have at least five of these to have this diagnosis, right? Right. And a lot of them are very vague symptoms. But one symptom that is fairly prevalent among most diagnoses is, and it interferes with my ability to lead my life. Yeah. Right. And that is a very subjective experience. Right. You can't quantify that the way that you can quantify, oh, I'm sleeping more. Right. Because that's one of the symptoms of depression is somebody's sleeping habits change. Right. But it is interfering with my ability to lead my life is really important. And so there is psychology does rely heavily on self-report and there's a lot of self-report measures, you know, depression, anxiety, happiness, whatever it may be. And so um, I think what you're thinking of is like a longitudinal study where you um, somebody takes a battery of self-report measures right. um, that gauge their level of depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms, whatever it may be, without necessarily giving them a diagnosis or anything. Yeah. Then they get their type. Maybe they sit with their type for six months and do some of the self-growth um, advice that... Dave and Shannon offer some of the hero's journey things. And then maybe in six months, they do that battery of self-report measures again. Yeah. And you gauge whether those improve or not. Yeah. And I think that would be really fascinating to see. So I guess from your standpoint, coming from that, uh, you know, psychology background, do you think they would need something like that in order to get published, that kind of thing? Like, do you need do you need that? Or is is the ability to track something objectively? Is that enough in and of itself? 
Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, honestly, I don't know that I have the background to answer that. Yeah. Appropriately. I do that's think fair. that yeah. whatever they, like we were talking about earlier, it's a slow game and you have to prove things very incrementally, right? So I even think like trying to prove all 512 types is probably not going to be realistic. They'll probably have to start with uh, the binary coins and each study with very individual like precise studies prove each of these individual coins and start building them on each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Yep. It probably will need to sort of narrow down. Yeah. I actually, one of my biggest concerns, uh, so especially early on when Dave and Shannon were typing people, some people were really struggling with the type that they got back. Yes. And that's one of the reasons why nowadays Dave and Shannon, um, don't automatically accept um, a typing request. They evaluate it on a case-by-case basis to make sure that when somebody gets their type back that they are able to handle it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think within that same vein, they'll have, well, I guess they'll have a decade to figure out how they want to handle this. But um, I can easily see problems with... um, how they approach it from an ethical perspective. Yeah. Because getting a study, like, as they're doing things right now, I can't think of any IRB that would approve it. Like, because there is, you know, first do no harm. Right. Kind of sentiment. Right. Um, and if somebody is freaking out and if their life is made worse in any way. Yeah. Then, like, a, like any scientific study where if you're noticing in your data that somebody's depressive symptoms are getting worse then you like you cut that study right you know you don't continue doing it right and I think it would take a lot to set up the study in the right way or to build up enough trust that yes it might get worse in the beginning but it'll get better later kind of like chemo right right right. chemo gets pretty bad and then it gets right better um I think that is a really big hurdle they'll have to figure out how to how to handle that yeah so just because uh Acronyms can be fun. IRB is Independent Review Board. Yes. Is that what that stands for? Yeah. Sorry. Um, and then also, and and to your point, that might be part of the reason why you'd want to kind of stay in the personality typology space for a little bit, you know, until you've got your data built up and you've got a little bit more behind it because, you know, we're all kind of used to Myers-Briggs types and, uh, you know, you get a type that maybe you don't like and things like that. Like it's a lot more sort of friendly to, to that than when you're, like you said, you know, actually diagnosing things, which, yes. you know, they kind of are a little bit, you know, I mean, it. I mean, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so you're right that they, they, they have to be careful as they sort of wade that line. Because, yeah, as you go into science, it's going to want more of, more of that rigor. I also think. So to coming back to the self-report thing that yeah, I love, I really love their dedication to objectivity. Yeah. I think psychology and the social sciences need more of that. And I think we would really benefit from more of that. Um, and especially more quantitative data and not just qualitative data. Yeah, absolutely. There is existing research, though, to indicate, to, um, of how we can't completely throw out our subjective experiences either. Because, for example, if you look at PTSD, 
the thing that determines, say, two people will go through the same traumatic experience. One of them will develop PTSD and the other one won't. Right. And the thing that is most predictive of whether or not PTSD will be developed is not the severity of the trauma in any way. It is our own perception of our trauma. Mm-hmm. So it could be, mm-hmm. objectively speaking, a very mild trauma. But if it is subjectively a huge wreck on our life, then that is more likely to lead to PTSD. Then it is, yeah. yeah. That subjectivity, that self-report, um, I don't think we can completely throw it out either. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, it's like, I almost don't have much more to say to that because that's such a, that's a excellent point. And I think, I think you're right that, you know, there's gotta, well, I'll, I, I don't like to say there, there's gotta be a way to fit it in, but you know, it, it would probably be beneficial to figure out some way to allow for some of that subjective experience to work its way into this and kind of back to the self-reporting of like, you know, if, if I have my type and it says that, well, I guess I'll just use my own type as an example. So like, you know, the dashboard of my life is in sleep. Um, you know, I have, I lack sleep. So you would expect certain sort of recurring issues in my life. So I should be able to self report and say like, yes, since getting this type and really focusing on my sleep processing, I've seen improvements in these areas, that kind of thing. You know, I should be able to report that. But you're right. Right now, there really isn't a space for that. Um, what's also your view of people just straight up not agreeing with their type? So self-report in that way. Um, not to be controversial or anything, but I think most people are pretty blind to their own behavior. Yeah, that's true, too. I think most people, I think it is a very, very rare exception of somebody who is able to see them objectively see themselves objectively and I think that even uh, with a lot of people that I've had conversations with around this um, if initially they're like no that's not my type it just doesn't make sense a month later two months later I might talk to them they're like shit yeah I kind of (laughs) I kind of see it now yeah yeah so by and large I I have no doubt like I mean Dave and Shannon are human they're going to make mistakes um but by and large, I think a solid 95, 98% of the time, just pulling that out of my ass. Yeah. Um, they're right. Right. And the person getting typed is just not able to see it yet. Well, and I'm sure that there's some sort of an error band on that, too, that that a sort of level of, uh, I'll say, accurate, you know, there's precision and accuracy, right? That they could be... they. They could be wrong on a particular piece. Like I've seen them say, okay, yeah, you are more masculine sensory. We had you as feminine sensory. But, you know, I've seen that kind of thing. So there could be like one coin or one little piece that might be a little bit off. But sort of the larger overall type is usually correct kind of thing. Yeah, right. If they have you as an NETE, you're not going to come back as like FI, SI. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's not going to be wildly off. That would be interesting to, I, I don't even know how you track it to, to try to figure out if there's any sort of an error band kind of thing like that. I, I don't even know. Well, I think um, retyping. I guess once they got more well, operators. More, more operators, yes, because inevitably, just like the two of them typing with each other and us typing with our, uh, each other, 
is bringing out our own biases as individuals. Yeah. Um, once they have other operators, it'll bring out their biases as a couple. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they do have the same functions in their stack. And that is um, as much growth as they've had and as wonderful things as they're able to do with what they have. Um, inevitably, there's some bias going on there that they haven't caught yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so having more try uh, more data points will help with that. And they've also mentioned, like with um, Shane Dawson, when they typed him, that when they retyped him, you know, years later, um, they he came back with blast um, activated instead of last. Right. And so um, that kind of like coming back to it, typing months, years later, and doing it again and checking against your past self as another data point. Yeah, that's something, maybe this is just a little side note, but I have not done that with any of my typings, and I, that might be something interesting to do, you know. Yeah, we should try us. it. We should try it and see. Because I, I do feel, and I've said this, I think I've said this before, that I, like, so we're talking about the science of this, but there's also kind of an art to it, too. And I mean, the psychological sciences have a little bit of that, too, like you said, because you can't fully control it. So there is a little bit of an art to this. And so I, I very much see, especially their actual method. Um, so their actual method of going through the checklist, going through the binary coins. I do see a technique to that also. It's like a it's it is a bit like a game, like a uh, chess game kind of thing. And, and chess, while it has a very strict rule set, there also are techniques and like things that you sort of. As you get better in your chess game, you get a little bit better at, at succeeding. And I feel strongly that way about OP, that it, given my experience, it's a lot like a martial art to me, that I feel like it's a technique that I'm learning. And as I get better, my technique gets better and my cuts get sharper and my, you know, my types get more in alignment with their, with their uh, definitions and so forth. And that's why I'm interested and kind of, I should go back and kind of revisit that that I've done before when my technique was a little bit more sloppy, if you will, you know, like not as refined as it is now, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think this conversation is largely around us kind of like, you know, our default setting is to go new, 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 new. And we're kind of like, well, maybe there's some value in looking at the old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, and oh, I think there is. Got to go in the, that known box. What? No. Every once in a while, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, I guess another question is, um, and I think we've kind of answered this throughout, but uh, do we buy into it? Do you think their approach and the data that they come up with is objective and sound and reproducible? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> reproducible is where it gets hard. I mean, it really does. And I, and and again, they were st so they started the class in what, like spring 2018. And as we're sitting here yeah. recording this, it's February. January 2019. Yeah. So they don't really have sort of a dojo yet of, of people who have trained up to the point that they can actually do this. So it's hard to say that it's repeatable at this point because right now we just have kind of two people who know this technique and and we need to start getting more and more people on board. And I think their their recent YouTube video was saying that they are going to, this, this year in 2019, they are going to start being a little bit more serious about finding operators to start really training and and be able to up that rep reproducibility aspects. Uh, I I do buy into their method. I think I, I like this approach. I, I like, number one, I like the, the objective uh, approach of rather than letting a person fill out a test 
just have the person just talk kind of answer some basic questions and you watch the video and and determine their type objectively I think I think that is the right way to go because I know I know when I do personality tests I'm fooling myself and I'm pretty self-aware and I'm still doing it (laughs) you know like we can't help it especially once you get to be a certain age and you've seen these things like you kind of know right like maybe the very first test I took was pretty good but like in this day and age, we've all taken personality tests. Like, we all kind of know what's going on. Yeah, we know how to break them. And also, there's so much confirmation bias going on. Yeah. So much, which is why, like, we all freak out when we get typed backwards is because our confirmation bias is like, hey, yeah, you did your demons, confirming it. Hey, look at that. Good job on doing your demons, right? Exactly. And so we think that those are our saviors, and we think that that's our natural space. And really, it's like, no, you kind of suck at it. Yeah, and I think that objective, doing it objectively is is a good way to do it because I think it's one of these things, and they've, they've said this, that like all of your friends and family can see it. They all they all can see that you're doing this, but you yourself don't. So I, I do agree with that method. Um, and I and the checklist method I think is, is really, really good. And I think it's just a matter of let's just get these definitions tighter and a little bit more examples of what the different coins are look like because I think that's where I still struggle my you know myself where I'm at I think there's a lot that Dave and Shannon do really really well I wouldn't say that they are exceptional teachers (laughs) (laughs) that too (laughs) um I I think that's one area where they can grow um I do think it's it's hard to be an exceptional teacher though and also the content is really complex so to be able to teach this content effectively is going to be a huge challenge and they're definitely yeah, struggling hard. with it yeah yeah it exactly is. exactly and 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 yeah to your point like being an exceptional teacher is not an is not an easy matter and you no. could be we, we again back to martial arts yeah you know, i just can't help but keep going back to my past experience with that but like you know i knew people who were amazing martial artists like amazing technique they went to tournaments and just would tear it up and you know couldn't be defeated kind of thing and we're terrible teachers <laughs> you know to be able to do a thing doesn't necessarily transfer that you can teach it very easily it, it you know with time you can learn how to teach like teaching is a skill that you can that we can all learn and get better at and so the people who like had amazing technique and also had a desire to teach they could learn how to how to be better teachers and then they they were and then you know we all were better for it but uh yeah I mean that's that's just normal and, and totally acceptable but yeah I agree it is yeah I think um, in the goal of getting more operators, I think investing time into, and, and they've definitely gotten better, like, yes. without a doubt, compared to what their classes looked like yeah. last spring and where they're at now. They're, like, fantastic and really much better. And I know my own understanding has deepened significantly. Yep. I think I'm looking forward to seeing how else they further iterate on that process to make it more efficient. Yeah, yeah. To get new students up to where you and I are more fast more fast faster <laughs> more, more fast more that more fast, fast. yes i <laughs> yeah. was an english teacher believe it or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i mean and i again it's like it's easy to to monday morning quarterback and say like well why did they release the class if it wasn't ready but i actually think that was a good way to go too like of course you need certain people who are willing to kind of grow with you you know not everybody and i do know people who like joined the class and said oh this isn't for me this is too difficult to learn I'm out right like people have done that and that's fine but I think I think just getting started and just sort of starting this process and getting the information out is beneficial it helps 
it helps bring folks along with you and I think it helps them I think putting it out there helps them refine it too and be able to teach it and, and improve so uh, yeah I wonder what they have been most surprised by over the past year in terms of what they just like going into this were just it was unexpected they didn't yeah account for it didn't plan for it maybe in how they learned or how people were responding or how quickly it grew or maybe the backlash I don't know I'd be curious to know yeah yeah I would you should ask him any other thoughts on no I I don't have any I don't have any additional thoughts I think I think um with their goal of going to to the scientific community with this I think they're they're making the right sort of first steps like baby steps you know I think they're making the right sort of uh, beginning step I, I think it's going to take some time you know and that's that's fine like that's the way it's going to be um, I think I think it is good for them to start thinking about uh, expanding their data sets and I don't know currently how open they are to people I know people have fed them other folks to check out I don't know if they have been actually checking out those other people um, so it would be good for them to do so I also don't know I I I don't know how much they type based on the written word, you know, because um, mm. there's a lot of YouTubers out there, but there's also a lot of bloggers. And so if they're able to type people based on the written word, that would be good. I, I don't I don't know. They haven't talked much about that. I, I know for my own typing, they did use my emails, but. Um, yeah, ditto. And I think you can get quite a bit from someone's written word. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you can get the full type. But maybe that's yeah, just where I'm, I'm not at. sure. But like, yeah, Bo Bo's um, Egghead, his book of poetry, right? It was really interesting. The poems that he wrote from the first person were just like confirmed the functions that I saw coming from him. Yeah, like he had one about how he's a nihilist and how he's terrified of nothing. Yeah, and did we talk about this? Yeah, we did. Well, you talked about him. Okay. I thought he was afraid. Of, wait, did you say he is a nihilist? I thought he was afraid of nihil- nihilism. Well, yeah, he is. And the fact that he, he might be a nihilist terrifies him. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that like, but but those were written from the first person, right? Mm-hmm. And then there were others that were written from the second person and then third person. And the ones that were written from the third person, like there's a great one about like what it's like to have blast last, like... That wasn't written from the first person because that's not his experience. Yeah. Yeah. So and the reason I bring up the written word and the bloggers and stuff is they might get a different crop of people. You know, the people yeah. who are writing blogs may just cluster around different types. And I guess that's, you know, that's to my point of just like expand that database because I did check in with them and say, hey, did you get any more of my type? And they're like, nope, not yet. So it's like, I don't know. That's a really good point. Where where we are. The double masculine Phil DeFranco's. I bet you your type is um, you remind me a lot of one of my coworkers, uh, former coworkers, and I wouldn't be surprised if your type is too busy in management. It could be. <laughs> in, in business. Like, I think a lot of what your type is is um, what I see of stereotypical MBTI ENTJs. Well. Kind of that, like. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I was I thought you were going to say ESTJs because – I feel like my functions are well suited to taking orders and executing them. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what I mean? Because uh, I don't have NI. I've got NE, which I'm open to a whole lot of new ideas. You give me something new, I'll, I'll go do it. I was actually having this, this is kind of a little side tangent, but I was having this conversation with my husband about how I feel like I'm 
I feel like we might be in the military too. Uh, because I feel oh, like we're yeah. probably the infantry that's like, we can go in and storm the beach. Like we can react to changing situations and we can go in and get a job done and we, you know, but where we struggle is who put together the plan to storm this beach. Why are we storming this beach? <laughs> you know, at least me personally, because that NI is not my natural state, you know. That's interesting. I've got the ESTJ yeah. functions in different orders. Yeah. So maybe that maybe you're right. Maybe that is where yeah. a lot of you guys are hiding. Yeah. The, mil- the military might be an interesting play. I mean, there's also a lot of S in the military. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. EPs in the military. One of my roommates, he was in the military and he's. He's definitely an ENFP of some sort. Yeah, EPs. And uh, because because someone else can control, you know, you put the control to like, I really responded really well to like the Zen retreat environment where every hour was regimented because it was like some external structure. Yep. Someone else put a structure and then I could kind of be free within it. But just, you know, tell me where to go. I can go there. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole side tangent. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the it will be interesting to see where they take this. And I, I do want to say, like, I, I've been looking. I, I love psychology. I've always loved psychology. And I have see a lot of problems within psychology. Like I mentioned, the DSM and other things as well. Yeah. And I've been keeping my eyes open. And like one of my life's goals is to bring, uh, to help people lead a happier life. Yeah. And um a lot of it is through science, through better understanding of how humans do function. And I think what Dave and Shannon have discovered here and what they're sharing with the world is hugely powerful and will be really impactful on the world. Yeah. Um, and I do mean the world. Right. I think it's going to like it, not just some little niche thing. I think it will be the world. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think another, and I know they have like some coaching services, but that might be another avenue for them to sort of, you know, think about is it would be cool if they could bring in some life coaches and things like that since since it's not quite at the point where like, yeah, we can bring this into a therapeutic session, but like life coaches have a little bit more sort of flexibility on what they can what they can do. And so this tool might be something that they can start using and then they can start getting some real world results and again expand that database. I think that's the biggest thing right now is just just grow that database and and get the definitions and start training operators. Yeah. I think their main objective is that they have this like NI plan of how to take it to science. Yeah. And then the like the classes, the typing, the the coaching sessions, all of that is just the financial way of sustaining themselves while they are on this journey. On that journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have anything more. I'm sure this is an ongoing conversation. I guess it's the only other thing. The science of it? Yeah. Like I'm sure that as we type people and as we go forward and as things start to change it's just a something we'll come back to yeah yeah i would i would hope so because things are constantly changing yeah and yeah i think it's important to come back and to iterate on things yep yep yeah so we would love to know what you think um what do you think about dave and shannon's approach do you think that this is objective do you think it one day will be verifiable um what problems do you see with their approach um do you think that this could one day be called science or do you think that's kind of like eh, really guys you should try a little harder like we'd love to know what you think yeah yeah please share your thoughts with us on the objectively typed subreddit we'll include a link in the show notes and we'll see you next time thanks bye